0: Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible class. We're podcasting a Bible study every Wednesday evening that is, is uh, posted at the same time as our Wednesday night Bible classes at our building in, in Omaha at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. Now, if you're in the Omaha area, we encourage you to come and study God's Word with us, worship God with us. Get to know us. Let us get to know you. Grow spiritually with us in person at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. Our church building is located at 3606 North 108th Street. 3606 North 108th Street, right here in Omaha. And our Wednesday night Bible class begins at 6.30 each Wednesday evening, and you're welcome. But you also have, we also have Uh, Sunday morning Bible classes at 9.30 every Sunday morning, followed by worship at 10.30. And then on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock, we come back together for another period of worship. And you're welcome to any and all of these services. We hope you'll take advantage of that. But at the same time, we know that there are people in our area, and also there are people listening in other parts of the country and around the world, literally, who cannot be with us in person. And so we are podcasting a Bible class every Wednesday evening again posted at 6:30 our regular time same time as our congregation comes together in person at the building to study God's word every Wednesday evening. We're thankful to be able to do that and we're thankful to be able to spread God's word on such a widespread basis through the medium of the internet and by means of these podcasts. Now, we encourage you to encourage everybody you can to listen to these studies. In fact, share them with everybody you can through Facebook friends, text messages, other technological means, with your family members, friends, work associates, neighbors, with literally everybody you can. You may help somebody get into God's Word on a more diligent basis and grow in their faith and turn their life around. You may help somebody get to heaven. What a great blessing for them and for you. Now also encourage everybody you can to go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. Click on the podcast button and sign up for our podcasting themselves. As they sign up for our podcasting, they will receive to their smart device, whether that's their smartphone or whatever other smart device they choose, they will receive our Wednesday night Bible class, our Sunday morning Bible class, and all of our sermons, plus they will receive a daily Monday through Friday radio program called Search the Scriptures. And what I consider to be a real gem, a short, only about a 13-minute, but 13-minute Bible study every single day, seven days a week, called Today's Bible Class. Keeps us in God's Word and thereby helps keep us focused on our relationship with God and upon our soul's salvation. So encourage everybody you can. To go to our website, churchofchrist.com, and sign up for our podcasting. We're going to get back into our study in 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. Again, we've been taking our time going through these scripture texts. The, the book of 1 John, or we should call it really John's first inspired letter. John, of course, was the penman for the gospel account according to John, the fourth book of the New Testament. But here, this is a letter, and John fills it with instructions primarily focused on the Christian. And so, certainly, the Christian is the one who really can, I guess, quickly relate to what John writes in in these five chapters uh, most readily, but it's The effects and the teaching is not just for those who have already become Christians, but certainly also to teach those who have yet to become Christians about what Christianity is. And so it's a great, great text. Now, we're in verse 10, and this is a really important context of Scripture that connects loving our brothers and sisters in Christ with obedience to God. And, and it's not just obedience to God by loving our brothers and sisters in Christ, but it's obedience to all of God's teachings. And then God connects that obedience, that, that framework or mindset of obedience to his teachings with loving our brothers and sisters in Christ, because that is also a commandment from God spoken through Jesus Christ. Now let's begin reading here, beginning with verse 10, 1 John chapter 3. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of the wicked one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? because his works were evil and his brothers righteous. Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Now that's verses 10 through 15. It's interesting how John weaves together in this particular letter, and this is not the only place he does that. He does that repeatedly through this letter, how he weaves together obedience to God with loving our brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, of course, God is love. And later in this letter, John is going to bring that out uh, in in verse 7 of chapter 4, for example, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God, for uh, is born of God and knows God. He does not love he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In teaching on real love over a great many years, I've emphasized that God is the personification of love. In fact, God is the standard for love. Remember what Jesus said in John chapter 3 and verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And as the apostle Paul put it in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, God demonstrates his own love for us in that Christ died for us. God demonstrated And still we see that demonstration of his love for us in sacrificing his own son on that cross so that he could die to pay the price for the guilt of our sins. Now, we understand the very concept of love because of God. And I've made this point and emphasized it. When you remove God from the picture, how do you define love? How do you define love? True love. Is it just an emotion? Is it just a feeling that sweeps over you? No, you see, it's a whole lot deeper than that. We love because of God, his love for us. We understand love because of God's love shed upon mankind, bestowed upon humanity. God is love. Now, Look at the verses 10 and 11 here we read just a moment ago. 1 John chapter 3, in this the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. And what does that word manifest mean? Made apparent, brought to light, made visible. You can understand, you can see the difference between the two. In this the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. And we're talking about absolutely uh, absolute opposite ends of the spectrum, so to speak. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. God has always, in His Word, taught love, always love for our for our fellow human beings, love for our brothers and sisters in Christ. He has continually taught love. When we look at Matthew chapter 22, Matthew chapter 22, and here Jesus, while he was here on this earth, he was posed with a question. In verse 36, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. that goes back to Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 5. We see it also in Mark chapter 12 and verse 30. So Jesus said, this is the great commandment in the law. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your being, with everything you are and everything you have. And then he goes on in verse 38, and he says, "This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like to is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets." Well, the questioner responded to Jesus's answer with an affirmative. Yeah, you got that right. That's that's the great commandment in the law, and so. Jesus gave us the example again, but Jesus came in fulfillment of God's love for us. And God really demonstrated that love in sending his son to this earth to bring the gospel message of salvation so that we could have the opportunity to be forgiven and saved, have eternal life in heaven with God and Christ and the Holy Spirit. God loves us that much, Jesus loves us that much. Now, come back to 1 John chapter 3 again, and notice the contrast again. God is love. The devil is hatred and evil and animosity. He he instigates all of the negatives that we see in life by negatives I mean evil, wickedness, unrighteousness, sinfulness, ungodliness. He is the instigator behind all of that, while God is the author and the example and the establisher of love, of love. And he demonstrated that so vividly by sending his son to be the perfect savior, the perfect sacrifice to pay the price for the guilt of our sins. Now, when he says, but notice how he, he combines again, he connects, loving our brethren with being obedient to God. So whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. From the beginning of what? Well, certainly from the beginning of Christianity, We go back to John, the the gospel account according to John. We look at at, at chapter 13 and look at verses 34 and 35. Jesus is speaking here. This is the very night of his betrayal. He knows that he's going to be put on the cross the very next day, and he's going to be put on the cross at the hands of men who are doing, who are pursuing an ungodly act. They're going to him on the cross to shut his mouth because they did not like the gospel message of salvation that he was bringing to the Jewish people at that time and leading so many to become his followers. They were, the, the Jewish leadership, they were concerned about losing their positions of power and prestige and authority, and they put all of that blame on Jesus because he was teaching the gospel of salvation. To these people. He was leading the Jewish people into Christianity. At least that was his mission. Now, most of them rejected him, as did the Jewish leadership, but many of the Jews became followers of Jesus, ultimately became Christians. On the night of his betrayal, knowing what lay ahead of him, in verses, 33 and 34, or verses 34 and 35, he told the apostles, a new commandment I give to you. Now remember, what did, how, how did John uh, position his instruction to love one another back in 1 John chapter 3 and, and verse, uh, verses 10 and 11? Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. This is the message you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. And John couples loving our brothers and sisters in Christ with being obedient to God's commandments. And so when Jesus tells the apostles what he's about to tell them in the night of his betrayal here, in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, he says, a new commandment I give to you. This is not a suggestion. It's not a good idea. It's not something I want you to think over. He says, I'm issuing a new commandment at this point, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you love one another also. By this we'll all know that you are my disciples, my followers, if you have love for one another. And so Jesus says, this is not an option. This is a new commandment that I'm giving to you. Now, God has loved us always. Jesus loves us. He demonstrated that as well as God demonstrating his love for us in Jesus' Will, willingly coming to this world and, and being the Savior and dying on that cross as the perfect sacrifice. But here, Jesus said, the world needs to see God's love and Christ's love in you by the way that you love one another as faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, faithful followers of Christ. So Jesus says, this is a commandment I'm giving to you. You are to love one another as I have loved you. Now, how did Jesus love us? He died for us. That next day, he would give his physical life on the cross. And he says, by this, by how people who are not yet followers of mine, who have not yet become Christians, how they see you loving each other as my faithful followers, as as Christians, that will help them to see my love in you, God's love in you, and they will know thereby that you are my followers, that you are Christians ultimately. When we come back to 1 John chapter 3, we read a little bit further, verse six. Whoever abides in Him, does not does not sin. And and the sense here being, he does not. I'm sorry, I'm reading the wrong verse. Let's drop down to uh, verse twelve. So this is verse eleven again. This is the message that you heard from the beginning that we should love one another from the beginning of Christianity, the beginning of the church. And then he goes on and he uses an illustration, not as Cain who was of the wicked one, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil, and his brothers were righteous. And so Jesus uses an example that the people would automatically have been able to relate to. They knew the story about Cain and Abel, the first recorded children of Adam and Eve, going all the way back to the beginning And so after Adam and Eve were expelled from the garden, the text seems to indicate, then she became expectant with child. But it was not just one child that she bore. In fact, she probably bore many others that are just not listed in the scriptures. But the ones that are highlighted are Cain and Abel. And when you look at the way the text is laid out there, it may indicate that they were twin brothers, but regardless, they were brothers, physical brothers, parents being Adam and Eve. And so when you look at chapter four, Genesis chapter four and verse four, Abel, well, let's come back to verse three. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Abel brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Now, this would have been a sacrifice that Abel, or rather that Cain, brought by way of worshiping God. Verse 4, Abel also brought of the, first, of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. Now, why did God not respect Cain's offering of the fruit of the ground which he grew. Why, in contrast, did he respect Abel, Cain's brother, Abel's sacrifice, the firstborn of his flock? Well, because God obviously had instructed them as to what to what to offer. When you look at Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 4, we read this from the Hebrews writer. Referring to this instance, it says, by faith, Abel offered a, to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead still speaks. Now, Cain offered to God a more excellent sacrifice, I'm sorry, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. And through that offering of that sacrifice, God found Abel righteous. Well, the Genesis account says again that God respected Abel's sacrifice and Abel himself, but he did not respect Cain's sacrifice, and he did not respect Cain in offering that sacrifice. Well, by faith, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Where does faith come from? Faith comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. So obviously, by logical reasoning, God had instructed both Cain and Abel as to how he wanted them to worship him through those sacrifices. And Abel obeyed God by offering of the firstborn of his flock. But Cain did something else that satisfied him but was not in obedience to God's instruction. He offered the fruit of the ground that he had grown. And God rejected his sacrifice because it was not what God had instructed him to offer. Now, Cain again became angry. In fact, notice that it says in, uh, in, in verse 5, Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry, and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, you will be accepted, and if you do not do well, well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. So God is warning Cain, you need to get yourself under control here. Get your emotions in check. Why are you angry? You have no reason to be angry. And I think, again, we can read in between the lines, I told you what to offer, how to offer, and you did something else. Don't be angry. Be upset with yourself because you did not obey. And then verse 8, Now Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and killed him. So he murdered his own brother, because of his anger over God rejecting him and his sacrifice, which was in disobedience to God's instruction, I think we can obviously conclude because of what the Hebrews writer said, by faith, and faith comes by hearing the word of God, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, and through his obedience to God, Abel was counted righteous by God but Cain murdered him. And so that's the example that John uses here in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 12, when he says, not as Cain, who was of the wicked one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brother's righteous. You know, there are a whole lot of people who resent people who are living a righteous life. They don't don't like to see that. Maybe they feel intimidated in some way. Maybe they simply feel convicted. But they don't like to see people who are, who are trying to live a righteous life, who are trying to stay faithful to God. And so they ridicule them and demean them, call them names, castigate them, may even turn to physical violence, or in some other way trying to harm them. And how sad that is. Why are they upset with the person trying to live a righteous life? because they're living an unrighteous life. And they don't like the light of godliness shining upon the darkness of their sinfulness. Now, coming back to 1 John chapter 3 and verse 13, do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. Do not marvel if the world hates you, John says, We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. Oh, now we might expect John to write there because we have kept God's commandments. But you see, loving the brethren, John is already tied to keeping God's commandments. He who does not love his brother abides in death. And if we hate our brothers and sisters in Christ or a brother or sister in Christ, then John says, we're condemned until we repent of that. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer? Well, does that mean he's he's already murdered him in some way? He's already shot him down or or beat him to death or stabbed him with a knife or a spear or something? Is that what it means? no that's 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 not what it means but you see christianity is so superior to the old testament law of law of, uh, the old testament law of moses jesus said in matthew chapter 5 and verse 21 you have heard that it w- that it was said to those of old you shall not murder well that was part of the law of moses you shall not murder but their focus was the physical act of murdering somebody. But Jesus, he takes it to a new level through Christianity. He says, whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment, but I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Oh my. Jesus also said, and of course, under the Old Testament law of Moses, it was sinful, you shall not commit adultery. But under the New Testament of Christ, Christianity, Jesus said, similar to what he just said about murder, if you hate your brother, then you can already be guilty of murder. If, you, if you're thinking in your heart, I wish I could kill him, I wish I could, if, if I had the chance, if I was able I'd put him to death because I hate him so much. Jesus said, you're already guilty of sin. And so he said, it's not just in committing the physical act of adultery, sexual immorality, but he said, if you lust after the other person in your heart, thinking, I want to, if I could, I would, he said, you're already guilty of adultery in your heart. And so that's the higher standard. So whoever hates his brother, John says, is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. So the faithful, dedicated Christian, the true, faithful, and obedient follower of Christ cannot harbor hatred in their heart toward, I believe, another person at all and certainly not toward a brother or sister in Christ. What profound teaching we get when we read the Scriptures of God's Word, and as we have zeroed in here in John's writing of Scripture in this first inspired letter of his, 1 John. We'll go a little bit further next time. Let's pray. Father... Father in heaven, thank you for loving us so much. And thank you for, through your love for us, blessing us to be able to experience love ourselves. For you, first and foremost, but also for others around us. And help us to cherish, to cherish this blessing, we pray, and to let others see the shining light of your love and your son's love for us and all humanity through the way that we live in that love before everybody around us. Glory, honor, praise, and thanks be to you, Father. Please forgive us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.